Hello and welcome to These Are the Voyages. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to Aaron Eisenberg. What you left behind was all of us, and we are so grateful for you. Thank you. All right, welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, I'm Captain Chase McKinney, and today we are going to talk about some really uh, fun things, some interesting perspectives, uh, and among those will certainly be Deep Space Nine. Now, Deep Space Nine is a show that comes chronologically after Star Trek The Next Generation, and we, we started talking about that uh, in our last episode, uh, kind of the, the genesis of it, uh, kind of maybe a little bit of the story behind it in terms of what was driving the show, um, as well as some early story concepts um, that came about with uh, Star Trek Phase Two, which uh, bits and pieces of it got um, split up where it would go to Star Trek The Motion Picture, which was back in 1979, like we talked about, as well as um, a few storylines in Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, one one that we did not talk about was an episode called The Child, which was the season two episode one, or the season two premiere, I should say, of Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, that was originally going to be with Lieutenant Ilea, which was a Delton that we met in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Now, eventually, we will uh, indeed talk about... Um, the, the movies. We'll talk about um, the movies. We'll have reactions. We'll we'll talk about them. I'm really looking forward to talking about Star Trek: First Contact. That's my absolute, absolute favorite uh, Star Trek movie ever. Um, don't get me wrong. I love I love me some Rathacon. That's right up there along with with Voyage Home and the Undiscovered Country from the original cast. Uh, but First Contact is hands down my favorite Next Generation movie. Um, probably one of my all time favorite movies ever. Um, we are going to meet someone um, here in just a little bit, and um, um, I had an opportunity to go on this person's podcast and actually talk about that particular movie. So you're, you're in for a real treat today in terms of what we're going to be covering, what we're going to be doing, and things of that nature. Uh, now, there was uh, someone that messaged me and uh, they had they had an idea for uh, a possible segment um, for the show, and I'm not too sure what we'll we'll end up calling it, but I, I do like the idea of um, having some humor or a little bit more humor in this show. Um, you, some of you might have seen some some memes, some um, some jokes, some Star Trek type jokes. Uh, circling the internet and uh, anyway I think we're gonna do is we're gonna start incorporating some some Star Trek dad jokes what we might call Riker jokes um, or whatever so uh, this one um, how about this question is or the joke goes like this how do astronomers organize a party they plan it I know I know that was hilarious you guys can't help yourself you are just laughing your butt off right now. I get it. That was hilarious. Don't worry. There's more to come. There's more to come 
in this podcast, um, in future episodes, I should say, of this podcast. So, you know, I know you can't contain your excitement, but please just just do your best to to do that. Now, um, apart from that, um, if you missed it last time, we did come up with um, you know a name of. of of our station, it's called Lone Star Station, and I'm sure I'll mention that again later on in this podcast. Um, uh, but this is a place for you guys just to hang out, have fun, um, both um, here on the podcast as you listen, and also um, in our Facebook group. So if you have not connected with us um, on social media, um, I'd love for you guys to. Um, you can look us up on Facebook. These are the Voyages, and um, you can find our page. And on our page, there's a button that links directly to our group where we can continue the conversation and talk about these things. There's also an opportunity for you guys to, um, you know, interact even more um, and to stay up to date with, with some things. Um, if you're into Twitter Twitter and Instagram, we have that too. Um, TRTV Pod is um, the way that you can uh, follow us and connect with us on those um, bits of social media. So please do that. Please, um, you know, please connect with us. Uh, check it out, and um, hopefully you'll you'll enjoy it. And uh, you know, it'll be good. And uh, I'm really glad that that you guys have um, been willing to connect with us um, so far. In in terms of of those of you that have joined and um, and been with us for um, as long as this show's been going on, which has been um, not too terribly long, we're we're hitting it about a month um, or so, so we're still relatively new at the time of this recording. So um, again, thank you. Uh, one thing that I do want to do is um, there has been some some cool stuff that I've been I've been noticing um, in terms of. Um, like listeners and where people are listening and um, it, it's just it's really it's really neat um, I was blown away uh, looking at it just you know just being new uh, or newer um, it, it's just it's it's so wild so um, you guys might get a kick out of this in terms of where people are listening so check this out so we've been on um, We've been on the air. We've been a podcast for, like I said, about a month now. And we have people from all over the world that are listening to this. We have people um, certainly in the United States, but we also have New Zealand. Uh, We have Sweden, South Africa, Canada, uh, the United Arab Emirates. We have Spain, Iceland, and Brazil. So for each of you that are listening in these different countries, on these different continents... Thank you so much for checking us out, for for being faithful and giving this show, this uh, show a chance. It means the world to me um, that you would not only find it, but you'd listen to it and that you keep listening to it. Um, so shout out to all of you, all all the different countries out there, all all of you on the different continents out there for boldly going with us and continuing to make it so. Uh, it, it's just it's so stinking cool. Like it it just blows my mind. It just blows my mind that you guys are out there doing that with us that you're just you're just listening to us so um i'm sorry if i'm kind of stumbling over my own words i'm just i'm so grateful i'm so incredibly grateful that you guys um like i said are just listening so uh anyway today i have um pretty sure she's a friend of mine um (laughs) 
here here on the show today uh, just to have some fun and talk Trek. So uh, what I'd like to do is just go ahead and um, introduce her, um, let her say some stuff about herself, and um, get cracking. So I'd like to introduce my friend, Lisa. Lisa, welcome to the show. Hey, Jace. Thank you so much. And yes, I'd absolutely say we're friends. We are in a couple Star Trek groups together. Yes. You've been on the show, on my show as well. Indeed. And I'm so excited that you started your own Star Trek podcast. Um, I had you on my show, as I just mentioned. It's called I Love That Movie. And you came on and talked about one of your favorite Star <laughs> Trek movies. Yeah. Um, and that was like such a fun episode. You know, great film. And... Um, yeah, we have fun on there. So if, um, of course, you're always welcome to come back. But yeah, I, I'm a, a cosplayer like yourself, and I also love film. And I would even say Star Trek is probably my biggest fandom. I mean, it's probably my original fandom. Okay. So um, I'm super excited to kind of take a break. I love my show so much, but it's kind of fun to come on here and talk about a little something different and just talk Trek. Absolutely. Now, now, like you said, I came on your show, and mm-hmm. um, I was able to talk a, um, a movie with you, and um, you're right, that was a ton of fun. So, um, apart from me doing that, why don't you tell those listening um, a little bit about, about your podcast, and, and what you do, and what the premise is, and maybe some that aren't listening to it right now would would be able to come check it out, and maybe fall in love with your podcast like so many others already have. Yeah, so again, it's called I Love That Movie, and basically the premise is that each week I have a guest, and that guest and I just discuss a movie that they love. So there's no requirements. You could be a podcaster, um, you could be a regular person, you could be someone who's in film school. Like, I've had all different types of people. I've had, like, a composer on there. So literally runs the gamut of guests and the only requirement is just that you love the movie so much that you feel like an expert on it and I think uh, the big thing about my podcast is I feel that sometimes in life when you love something a lot uh, and you're a huge fan people tend to think of that as like a crazy obsession or something that you're a little too into you're a little too nerdy and I think being nerdy is in vogue but I still think there's kind of a limit where people think like you need to calm down almost and I would challenge that and say that that's actually something really cool about about you you know if you are obsessed with um, I don't know uh, the Godfather and you've seen it a thousand times and you've noticed all these different things about it and you've got a Godfather collection or whatever it is I Mm want to hear about that and in addition to talking about the movie the plot the actors and favorite scenes we usually talk about the guests personal connection with that movie Mm -hmm. because I think that's one of the most interesting things about it is just how these films they're you know people say they're just movies but they have an impact on a lot of people for many reasons maybe you saw it with a family member and that family member is no longer with us and so you kind of tie the movie to um, that relationship or maybe something 
you know, maybe you saw the movie and it just came at just the right time for you. Absolutely. I've had all kinds of experiences on there that people have talked about. And I just like celebrating that. I like looking at it positively. And so that's kind of what we try to do on there. Plus, it's just nice to talk every single week about something people love Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, it being like a harsh criticism because there's just so much of that online. And so this is kind of my way of trying to push back on that a little bit (laughs) and try to inject some positivity back in there. So you can find my podcast pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, you know, predominantly Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, etc. We also have a Twitter account, ILTM Podcast, and we have an I Love That Movie Podcast uh, Instagram and a Facebook book, a Facebook group (laughs) that you're in. A Facebook Uh, book? (laughs) A Facebook book. If you have a Facebook book, you can look us up on there too. But yeah, so like we have so many different ways. I even started a Discord recently. You've got there's so many different ways to reach out and not just listen to my podcast, but also talk with other people that have been on the show, and then some people that I think have never listened to one episode, but just like chatting about movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Facebook group and the Discord are good for that too. So uh, I think my goal with the whole thing was to try to create like a community of people that want to talk about films, but to sort of take that edge off of you know, we're never going to argue about them, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, and I think, uh, being, being in the group, uh, your, your podcast group, um, like on Facebook mainly, um, just seeing the interactions, I think like the main rule that you have is, is, um, just have fun really. And, and, and we want to keep things positive. Um, there's, there's enough, um, negativity, toxicity, um, toxic opinions, and things like that swirling all around us. Uh, we don't need uh, one more um, area of our life really uh, to consume that kind of stuff. And so I, I really like that um, about about the community that you've created with, with your podcast. Um, so yeah, I mean, aside from that, I was just having a conversation in another group. It was actually a Star Wars group. Um, you know, at the time of this recording, Disney Plus had just um, released today, and yeah. um, I was telling some folks that while I was working from home, because I get to work from home with my practice and stuff, it's pretty sweet. Um, that I was watching um, Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace, and I was like, "Say what you want, but like, I really enjoy this movie. I really enjoy this trilogy, and um, and it's okay if you don't like it. It's okay if you don't like." the sequel trilogy I mean we all have entry points I've talked about that on uh, briefly on this show before is that you know whether it's Star Wars or Star Trek there's an episode there's a TV series that's going to uh, be the 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 doorway into the fandom and and we need to respect that and, and appreciate that as well yeah, I completely agree with you. And it's it's disheartening when you go into a group and say something like, I love this movie. And then people are like, it's the worst movie ever. Or, How dare you? Or you're so dumb for liking that. It's like, ugh, there could be so many different reasons why somebody connects with something. So, you know, it's just not a good idea to come at people over something like that. So I really appreciate what you said. And um, I'm glad that, that, you know, you're finding... A place where you can talk about that stuff and not feel, you know, challenged. Right, right, and and I don't, and, and truth be told, I don't comment as much in the Facebook group that you have. Um, I'm I'm more or less an observer, but whenever I see something that I want to interact with, I'm definitely going to interact with it. So, um, sure. For any of you movie lovers out there, um, if you haven't figured it out already, uh, this is a great 
um, podcast to listen to. It's a great community to be a part of um, for all types of movies. So um, it's, it's just a place to have fun. So Lisa, thank you for doing what you do with that and for creating a space for movie lovers to do that. Now, have have you actually talked about what your favorite movie is? I know we're we're on a Star Trek podcast, but uh, <laughs> but what what's your favorite movie? Since you're the host of a of a movie lover podcast, so I have, and my favorite movie is probably going to be be a little surprising. People are a little taken aback by it, but my favorite movie ever, I think, is The Shining. Okay. Um, I'm a Kubrick fan, but there's something about that particular movie that just I don't know, it just has everything that I like in one film, and it was actually introduced to me by my father, who uh, is not a big horror fan, never really let me watch any horror growing up, but for some reason he liked that movie and he Mm -hmm. let me watch it, which is questionable. I feel like it's one of the most disturbing horror movies, so it's weird that he let me watch that one in particular, (laughs) but he did, and it just had a big impact on me, and... uh, I think it was last year we actually, he and I went to go see it in theaters together, um, and then we did an episode on it, and that was really fun, just because it was sort of a full circle thing of like, he introduced me to the movie, then we watch it together. I don't think he likes it as much as I do, like I, you know, I really ran with it, mm-hmm. but he's supportive. And right now, you know, I currently have a, a Room 207 keychain. Um, Okay. On my uh, on my keychain, it's like the little tag like mm-hmm. that you get in the door with uh, room, or I'm sorry, room two thirty seven. I don't know why I said two two o seven. It's okay. Uh, but but yeah, uh, I have that, and I'm about to go see Doctor Sleep tomorrow. So pretty big fan. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, and so we've already talked about it. So it's unfortunately, when people are like, "Oh, you should pick your favorite movie," I'm like, "I already did." But I mean, I have so many movies sure. that are close to that, if not equal to it. So it's always hard to pick just one. Okay, know? okay. Well, very cool. Um, yeah, I've actually never seen The Shining. I know uh, Jack Nicholson's in it, and um, I think they're about to remake it as well, aren't they? Or are there? Or there, uh, there's like a Maybe like some kind of spinoff movie of it, like that's going to be coming out soon. Well, Doctor Sleep is actually the sequel to it, is and that, that what it came is? out last Friday. Yeah, okay. the one, the movie with like Ian McGregor. That's right. Um, that's right. And I have not read the book. I have read The Shining, the book, uh, but I haven't read this book. And I was really, you know, I'm not going to say that I wasn't looking forward to it, but I was just sort of, you know, they've done other uh, versions of. The Shining on on screen before that I haven't loved. Uh, I felt like Kubrick did it so well, but this movie is different because it's sort of it's still based on the book that Stephen King wrote, but it's paying homage to uh, what Kubrick did, which is a tricky thing because you know Stephen King doesn't like what Kubrick did uh, with the story, so it's kind of weird. But uh, Stephen King actually said he loves this movie. And it's got a pretty decent score on Rotten Tomatoes. Unfortunately, it's not doing very well at the box office. But, you know, that usually doesn't stop me from going to see a film. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Well, I really hope you enjoy it, especially with, you know, The Shining being your, your favorite movie. So <laughs> yeah. ho- hopefully it lives up to your expectations. Yes, I hope so, too. So um, anyway, so there's, there's that. Um, again, guys, uh, for those of you listening... Please go check out the podcast. It's it's really good. It's a great community. Now, 
Um, apart apart from uh, you know you hosting a podcast, how how have things been for you lately? Um, you know, either uh, professionally, creatively, um, just like besides keeping up with that stuff. I mean, how how have things been? Uh, really good. I mean, uh, let's see. I just got back from not this weekend, but last weekend, I went on a trip to San Antonio with my mom. We celebrated Dia de los Muertos in mm-hmm. yeah in San Antonio, and that was super fun. And then this past weekend was my birthday, and uh, I get kind of like I always get like a little bummy around my birthday. And so what I try to do is just have like a nonstop like fun time, <laughs> like use that as an excuse to go connect with as many people as I can okay. and have fun and so this last weekend was actually really fun um but yeah that's pretty much it i don't have any like exciting news to throw out there um working on a couple sewing projects that i haven't wrapped up yet but i think now that october's over which october is always really busy for me and we're into november i think i'm gonna have some more time to to knock some of that stuff out but that's about it okay cool happy belated birthday to you thank you (laughs) Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, we, we were talking about, um, I'm, I'm not even going to try and pronounce it, but like Day of the Dead, we were talking about that um, a couple days ago or a week or week or so ago. And my, my only real exposure to it is seeing it every once in a while on a calendar and, of course, the movie, <laughs> the movie Coco. So the way that we celebrated it was turning it on um, a streaming service and watching Coco. So that's that's what we did for yeah for that. So <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm probably right there with you in that even though I I am uh, Mexican American, um, I've you know I was born here, and uh, my parents didn't really celebrate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the movie Coco has really <laughs> honestly brought it into the forefront. Uh, after seeing it, I decided to make an ofrenda, like in the movie, and my whole family has just kind of gotten into it. It's just How such a cool. positive. Yeah, it, it is cool. It's a it's a really positive way to look at death, and it sort of came at the right time. I think it was pretty close to when my grandfather passed away, and you know, putting up his picture and seeing his face and talking about him, and even like. You know, we would put up some things that he likes, like he loved drinking coffee. I put a little coffee cup by his picture. You know, it's not like I necessarily believe that, you know, his spirit returns uh, literally, but it is nice to talk about somebody that's passed in like a, a happy way. And so I, I just, I really have, I don't know, it just converted me, I guess. <laughs> and now I think every year we're going to try to find some way to celebrate it. But, but your exposure to it is probably the way a lot of people feel uh, in America. That, you know, it's like they're aware of it, but they're not really sure what it's about. And I think a lot of, I, I mean, I think Coco's become a, a pretty good teaching tool. And it's, uh, from what I hear, it's pretty accurate because they, you know, did a lot of research and they even asked people, Mm-hmm. from there and in their studio to weigh in and make sure that it was like a fairly accurate representation of it. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about the, the magical golden petals sending people back. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, if you believe that that's fine with me, I, I, I yeah, I don't know about that, but, uh, but it's, yeah. it's still, I think, I think you're right. What you're getting at that, um, it's it's a good it's a good representation of of that um, 
culture and those beliefs and it's it's you know out there in the mainstream right now for people to Mm -hmm. have more awareness and hopefully develop more understanding and you know maybe pique some curiosity um i mean kind of like what you're saying like um you just recently started practicing some of this stuff and um trying in in a in a way to like to uh, reconnect with um loved ones memories and and things of that nature so i I think that's really cool that the movie um was able to do do that so yeah i agree i think you know it, it it even gets us all talking about people that have past and then you bring up happy memories and so you're not just saying like you know I'm so sad they're not here you're like remember when they did this or remember when we all went on this trip or you know it's just it's just a a happier way to look at it Um, and so that's kind of what I liked liked about it that's what drew me to it for sure now you're now you're getting me to think about a very beloved character um, Uh and that's Data oh you know, nice. <laughs> I mean, for those of you that are, are brand new to Trek and you're listening to this podcast, um, Data is this android. Um, and for those of you that have watched the shows, you'll know this. But um, he's this android, positronic brain. He's always trying to be more human. And there's some stuff that happens. Uh, spoiler alert. He may or may not have gone boom um, in a movie. And uh, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, if if there was, and, and forgive me if I if I mispronounce this, uh, a frienda, an afrenda, is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got it. Okay, so I'm wondering what kind of stuff the members of the Enterprise D or E would put up for data. Ooh, I've got some thoughts already. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. I think. Okay, I think. Definitely a Sherlock hat. Okay. Because okay. of the episode where they went in the holodeck. Yeah. Um, probably a maybe a picture of Spot. Oh man. That was his cat's name, right? Yeah. Spot, yeah. yeah. Um, he did he play an instrument? Uh, violin, I believe, was what he. There you go. He kept playing a violin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that would be big. Maybe like a small statue of a violin. Sure. He didn't eat anything really, so probably no food or drink mm-hmm. was there a drink he pretended to like I can't remember there, there were a lot of drinks that he pretended to like I mean in uh, <laughs> <laughs> in I think it was uh, generations whenever he's getting the emotion chip right uh, mm-hmm. I think Guinan gives him something and um, he's like this is disgusting this is revolting more yes please and it's it's gr- it's green or something. It's like some like ecto cooler probably, but it's it's some <laughs> green drink that's meant to be alcoholic. So that that would probably okay. be, be something. Yeah, yeah. I like that thought process though. It really kind of it becomes like a trivia piece on like how you think about those characters. Yeah, I you know like there's there's that and um. I mean, he did. There were there were so many things that that character did. Um, I, I think those are the highlights. Um, yeah. And I think it'd be fun to see like some fan-made, Coco-inspired, next generation cross <laughs> crossover animation or something that would be kind of cool. Like, um, I <laughs> yeah. mean, would so okay. Let's 
Okay, we're going to stick with Coco for a second, so sorry. I mean, you, okay. you brought this on yourself. I did, I did. <laughs> you, you really did. <laughs> so if, if Data was in the afterlife, okay, with all the ancestors, kind of like we see in the movie mm-hmm. Coco, what would he look like? I guess he would be whatever's underneath his exterior, so uh, maybe just a robot. He would look like a robot, I guess. I mean, would he look kind of like he did um, there for a second, maybe in First Contact, where, like, part of... Oh, where you kind of get... Yeah. You know, ahead, sorry. Yeah, like, whenever, um, like, the the liquid or, or whatever, the, the, the goop, the stuff, you know, that... The, the tube breaks open all the 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 I don't even know it's the gas that yeah that um, melts or, or dissolves um, organic material um, when we see like like part of his face where there had been skin I wonder if that's what he would have looked like in this you know cocoa inspired afterlife <laughs> yeah I think that's pretty accurate I mean that would be his skeleton his underneath since he doesn't have like a true skeleton mm-hmm be interesting so for any of you listening that are creative i'd love to see some fan art (laughs) yes we need to see this so get after Mm -hmm. it please um and just as a reminder um last time we introduced the in-show station and ship and for those of you that are really interested and want to draw up a um a concept of what our station looks like and what our ship looks like uh we can we can take that and we can run with it and um, and give you full credit for it. So I want I want you guys that are listening to have ownership of this podcast and have some fun with it. So um, just as a reminder, this is Lone Star Station where we're at. So we are currently at Lone Star Station, Lisa. And uh, okay. So for further exploration, uh, we will have to get on the USS Vigilant NCC eight seven one seven. So uh, anyways, you're welcome to. To pick out a room here on the station or on the ship doesn't matter to me. Um, this is your—you can call this home if you really want to, Lisa. Okay, okay. So you want me to pick like an area that we talk in? Is that right? I mean, I mean, just saying like you're just—you're. This is home. Oh, okay. I'm just saying it's home. Okay. You're, 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 wel- okay, you're cool. welcome to, to pick out one of your, your, pick out a room or whatever quarters. It doesn't oh, matter. Oh, gotcha. Quarters. Okay, I get it. I yeah, get it. I'm just being dumb right now. It's okay. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm catching up. I'm sorry. You're, you're picking up what I'm laying down. Got it. Exactly. Now I'm on board. Literally. Uh, quite literally. I figured you're on board. Yeah. Yes. We literally beamed you aboard recently. <laughs> yes. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so, uh, uh, we know that here in a couple months, we are going to have, um, a brand new Star Trek show. Um, it's going to be here like in, gosh, um, less than eight weeks I think um, or at least clo- wow. or close to it Star Trek Picard is going to be coming out in um, January of 2020, January 23rd 2020 to be specific and we are going to be seeing uh, the return of a number of beloved characters uh, some of which are uh, Patrick Stewart playing the, the role again, reprising his role of Jean-Luc Picard uh, we're going to be seeing um, other folks like Jonathan Frakes, Marina Sirtis um, Jerry Ryan, just to name a few, reprising their roles. Um, so, uh, you know, knowing that this is coming up, um, how are you feeling um, about this new Star Trek show? I mean, it's great. I mean, you think this is a little bit how people felt that were older than us 
when Star Trek, the original cast, started doing movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, to just have this huge long break where you feel like that'll never happen. And now it's happening. Like, I guess we have to thank all these different streaming services. And, you know, it's not the first show to come back, certainly. You know, you've had silly shows like Bull House and other shows like that find success in reprising the exact same thing. Absolutely. Uh, but S- Star Trek has a blueprint where that's worked in the past. So I guess I should have expected this to happen. But I'm I'm really happy about it. I mean, I've, I've, I've liked what I've seen so far. And... I'm, I'm excited. So um, we were talking about how your show is a, is a point of, of positivity in terms of discussing stuff. Now, mm-hmm. uh, we all have opinions, and it's okay to have an opinion. Absolutely. How do you, how do you feel about Star Trek Discovery? Um, I really like it. Okay. I'm, I'm probably one of the few voices out there that... I wouldn't say one of the few, but I... I maybe I'm different from some of the old school Trekkie fans that I love it. It's incredibly different from any of the other Star Trek shows. But then again, I felt that the next generation was wildly different from the original series. So much so that some of the original cast members couldn't stand it at first. And it took a while for people to get on board. The first season, you know, it was, um, it was good. It was solid. But the second season really just, I don't know. It's like they took everything that was good from the first season and they just expounded upon it. I'm absolutely obsessed with how the show looks. I think it's beautiful. Okay. And I freaking love Sulu. Like, oh my God. Like, Doug Jones on Star Trek. Are you kidding me? Like, how have they not thought of that before? I'm so happy to see him on there. So, yeah, did that's you, how I feel. Did you know, <laughs> did you know Doug Jones played uh, Billy in Hocus Pocus? I did, and I only know that because I've watched so many like behind-the-scenes stuff. Okay. Um, but yeah, I did know that. So I, I always say that's probably the first time I ever saw him. Just didn't know it was him. Absolutely, you know? yeah. He <laughs> he's always like playing like the skinny, weird, alien monster-type creatures, and, mm-hmm. and he does such a brilliant job of it too. I mean, um, I don't remember the character's name, but in um, Hellboy. He's in, he's in that, too, and he does a brilliant job. Oh, yeah, Abe Sapien. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, thank you. In fact, little-known fact, he, or maybe not, I wouldn't say little-known fact, but little factoid, I guess. Um, in the first movie, it was, uh, I think, David Hyde Pierce was the voice of, uh, the guy from Frasier was the voice from uh, for Abe Sapien. But in the sequel, he said, I'm not coming back because Doug Jones is a really good actor and he should be the voice. Wow. He's doing all the work. And so in the sequel, it's actually Doug Jones talking. And it's almost identical, really, but um, he, he is. He's a really good actor. Um, he's incredible at creature work, and he's incre- he does incredible stuff, like, with his body, and, like, he looks awesome in that makeup. But he's also just a really good actor. So I think that's another reason why I like his role in Discovery, because he still gets to be a creature, um, so to speak, but he brings a lot of just warmth and nuance to that character. And it's really reminiscent of characters like data or Spock, but it's like a little bit different. And I just, I just really like it. Sure. I, I think (sighs) Saru, so Doug Jones character is, is probably one of my favorite, if not the favorite character of 
of the main Discovery cast, uh, more so mm-hmm. than um, like uh, Michael Burnham, uh, who's supposed to be the main the main character. Uh, Saru is just a fantastic character, and I love the character development that's taken place just in the first two seasons with his character. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so we're we've we've heard uh, recently from Jonathan Frakes, um, who played uh, William Riker in Next Gen and all the Next Gen movies, uh, Next Generation movies, um, and TV show, that um, season three. I don't know if you've heard this, but season three of Discovery is going to be um, a lot more in line with um, other. Trek iterations, uh, specifically, okay. specifically speaking to the hope and optimism that other Trek, um, I guess, kind of speaks to. So, uh, what do you, what do you think about that? I mean, how what, how do you respond to that kind of statement? You know, I hadn't really thought of it that way. I know the first season uh, was very bleak, like undoubtedly, mm-hmm. um, and then the second season, I felt like we were starting to get glimpses of that older Trek, like with, you know, Captain Pike and just the, his overall attitude and vibe. Um, I'm a little behind on this latest season, to be honest with you. Uh, a while back I took a trip and I kind of, in preparation for every year when I go to Dragon Con, I kind of, uh, pull back on stuff that I'm paying for. So I did temporarily, uh, cancel CBS. Um, and, um, a couple other streaming services and so I'm a little bit behind but I liked everything that I saw uh, but I mean it is different I think it, they were trying to tap into that audience that's watching you know Game of Thrones and yes. um, you know just uh, pr- I, all the other shows like that that are so serious and heavy handed and the show is definitely more serious and so I have no problem with them making it a little lighter because that's true uh star trek tends to be a very optimistic bright future and we're catching the federation in sort of a a dark time i'm okay with exploring that i just always felt that the end point is going to be more positive and maybe i just thought that that's Mm -hmm. you know something that's coming and so i was never really worried but i could totally see a fan seeing that and going like what's going on like we have to get there faster <laughs> you know right. so i could kind of see it both ways sure and um you know kind of like what we were talking about earlier um like with the whole star wars kind of thing like you know i'm not too crazy about the sequel trilogy and that's okay other people aren't too crazy about the prequel trilogy when it comes to star wars um i like discovery in certain ways but it's not um, something that um, I, I'd want to watch all the time, like I would yeah. with like next next generation or Deep Space Nine, like we're going to be talking about here in just a little bit. Um, but at the same time, like we got to remember again, like we were talking about at the beginning, that this show, Star Trek Discovery, this is someone's entry point into Star Trek, and if right. if it yeah. peaks any interest into you know, learning more about how it started, like with, you know, either going back and watching Enterprise for, you know, internal chronology, or if we're talking like wanting to watch it from the beginning, such as like when it was actually released with uh, William Shatner and company. 
um, I'm, I'm hopeful that it's going to lead to that. I mean, um, I can vaguely remember um, in the, um, the early 2000s when Enterprise was on the air, that was a brand new show and people gave Enterprise a lot of crap. I really enjoy Enterprise. It's probably one of the Star Trek series that I watched the most, but right behind uh, TNG and Deep Space Nine. I love it. Mm. I watched the heck out of it. But people gave it so much, so, such a hard time. But we got to remember that even then, you know, it was creating some curiosity. Like, okay, well, if it sucks now, or if it's this way now, you know, how in the world did they get to there? Or we see that there's this bald guy who's British with a French name, and it's like, it looks like the freaking Hilton in space. Um, <laughs> You know, how, how did we get from there to here? And, and that right there, like those storylines can pique so much interest in, um, and speak to that, that hope and how we're improving ourselves. And that's what I love about Star Trek. And, and you're, hitting, you're really hitting on it that, you know, in, in um, Star Trek Enterprise, it's 22nd century. And we're still the humans that we are right now, even in the 21st century. And you know, we haven't gotten it all figured out even 10 years before um, Captain Kirk um, and his his adventures take place, right? I mean, that's discoveries mm-hmm. taking place roughly 10 years before the five-year mission of Kirk and company. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. And what you're saying about Enterprise, I wasn't like a huge fan when it came out. I was probably one of the naysayers, and I haven't seen as much of it as I have of the other shows. But earlier this year, uh, one of my friends, uh, her name's Judy, she watched Enterprise for the first time. It was like the only Star Trek she had seen, and she became obsessed with it. I think, I believe that's the one she saw, or she might have seen the Abrams films, but something that's not like your typical Trekkie entry point. Sure. And then she went back and watched literally everything, like from Enterprise to now. (laughs) Wow. And she just fell in love and became a huge Trekkie, and it's like... You know, who am I to judge how somebody finds something? Because, you know, the first show that I liked was DS9. And when I liked it, a lot of people didn't. Mm-hmm. It, you know, so it's kind of like everybody has a different, you know, series that resonates with them uh, in this fandom. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. It's, it's totally okay to have different opinions or have one that you feel represents Trek more. But I don't hate on anybody for liking something more than I did or less than I did. So, totally agree. Right. And, and, you know, the same can be said for any fandom, you know, just because you don't have the same, same opinion as me doesn't make you wrong. I mean, I personally think that the 10th doctor, I mean, the 10th doctor is my doctor in doctor who, but for other people, it's going to be 11 or it's going to be 13 or whoever. And that's okay. Um, Right. Exactly. We we, We don't really own these properties. You know what I mean? Like we're, they're shared. Yeah. We don't need to get triggered over an opinion. It's okay. (laughs) It really, right, it's, it's right. really okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not on Twitter, but sure. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah there, there's that. So, um, but besides, besides um, this show coming out, there's a little bit of um, some speculation, a little bit of, of some news that's kind of making the rounds right now. Um, one of which, um, it's not necessarily speculation, just news. Uh, Anthony Rapp who um, is on um, Star Trek Discovery, right? He's the, he's kind of the chief engineer slash chief science engineer. I don't even know how you, I mean, he's... Biology? Yeah, yeah it's, he's wearing so many different hats. Yeah, like what the <laughs> heck does he do, right? 
Uh, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, it was just announced that he was um, he became engaged to uh, his partner, uh, Ken something. Um, and I wish yeah, I... Yeah, I got his name in front of me. So I'm going to say Ithapal... Ith- Ithapal or Ithapal? That sounds that's right. My, that's my attempt. <laughs> we're, we're going with it. It sounds great. I love okay. it. Okay. <laughs> um, so congratulations um, to you, Anthony, if you're if you're listening to this. Uh, kudos to you. Congratulations um, if you ever listen to it. Um, so there's that. Um, and, you know, start, like we were saying, Star Trek Discovery Season 3 is coming out sometime in 2020. Um, there's... Um, uh, rumor, speculation, it hasn't been confirmed yet, but um, Star Trek short treks, uh, which are going to be like mini episodes um, that really started in season two of Star Trek Discovery, but short treks are their own little thing, I guess, to kind of whet the ap- appetite in the uh, intervening time between seasons. Um, sorry, I'm rambling, but uh, there's going to be one short trek called Children of Mars. And what that's supposed to be, I think it comes out either late December or early January, and it's supposed to kind of be a bridge between, I think, what causes um, Picard to um, maybe leave Starfleet um, pr- prior oh. prior to the show starting. But there's also supposed to be an even bigger connection, allegedly, with that short trek and what may happen or what may impact some things in Star Trek Discovery Season 3. So what do you think about that? Wow. Man, if, if, if it seemed like I was being really quiet while you were talking about that, it was not because you're rambling, but because I'm, like, processing what you're saying. Um, that's a lot of information. Uh, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to wait and see, but that's pretty exciting stuff. And so forgive me if you already mentioned this, but what... Uh, where will we see this? Have they announced like how this is streaming, or? So it's still going to be on CBS All Access. Um, okay, this will be CBS All Access because Picard is not right. No, no that's pa- going to pa- be. Picard is All Access. Yes. Oh, okay. I thought Picard was going to be on another network. No, but... I wish it was. Okay. I wish it was just on regular, <laughs> like local network television. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it would, because like I said, I I feel like such a bad Trekkie in that I'm a little behind. Um, but I mean, I know I'm going to catch back up, but it's like, it, it, it's true that if it was on Netflix or something else that I already have, I, I would have been caught up by now. But right now, you know, I'm paying for uh, Netflix and um, I just re-signed back up for the DC streaming service, so okay. then I would have CBS and then I think I'm... Uh, I've still got Hulu, but it's like all those different things. It's like when you add, now we've got Disney plus, you know, it's like, wow, it's just a lot. So because CBS mainly has Star Trek and I mean, I like the Twilight Zone too, um, the episodes that I've seen, but because it's got less content on there that I'm like, you know, looking forward to every single week, Mm -hmm. it's, it makes it harder for me to stay, you know, current but now that they're adding this show that you're talking about and picard honestly that's gonna have to seal the deal for me like i'm uh, now i'll have three shows you know right that i'm getting so it's like yeah that's just uh, i don't know and and, and i feel like man I, I don't know that's just gonna fill in a lot of gaps and holes and i'm kind of excited about that 
and and not only that, but we are going to be getting more, even more Star Trek with um, Star Trek Lower Decks, which is going to be another animated Star Trek show, and it's going to be yes more or less. I think it's from the creator of Rick and Morty, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, or at least they're writing it, yes. something like that. But yeah. um, and it's got some familiar voices on there, including uh, a comedian named Tani Newsom. I think we talked a little bit about this on your episode, but she's on a, a podcast called uh, "Yo, Is This Racist?" Um, it's where people <laughs> <laughs> it's where people call in and they ask, like, "Hey, do you think this is?" Or, you know, it, so it's kind of funny, kind of serious. Uh, but she's on there, and she joked about the fact that when she decided to be when she got cast on this show uh people were like and then she she got also cast to do a star trek podcast um for cbs and people told her well you better do your homework and she was like i already did (laughs) i've seen all these shows i'm a really big trekkie so it's just kind of funny um people sort of challenged her on that a little bit uh but she's a big fan so we're getting like a really big fan that's going to be one of the voices on there and she's very funny so I love the concept of it I love the fact that I think it's like they're all going to be yeah the lower decks basically people that are not the bright shiny forerunners of Star Trek right of Starfleet (laughs) and their ship from what I I I remember hearing from like ideas like the ship uh, specializes in what they're calling second contact so like the the enterprises you know the voyagers the, you know the big name ships that are going to typically do first contact missions um this ship from lower decks apparently they're going to be the ones that come in and like kind of pick up the baton and keep going with it so okay okay so i think it's a cute little idea and, and stuff so um yeah anyway but beso- so beso- we're, we're talking star trek picard um kind of sort of um and there's this there's this rumor also that uh, Denise Crosby, um, which uh, most of you would know her as Tasha Yar, the original security chief in uh, Next Generation. Um, later on, she portrays another character named uh, Sela, uh, a Romulan commander. Um, anyway, there there's this rumor that Denise Crosby will uh, potentially return at the end of season one, potentially season two of Star Trek Picard. Um, mm-hmm. a- any any reactions to seeing Sela uh, or, or having that maybe enter into the story? So I was really familiar with her Tasha Yar character. I remember really liking her and being upset when she was killed off. Um, but her second character, I have to admit you kind of had to jog my memory with when we were talking before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, any any version, whatever character she comes back with, I'd be excited about since she kind of left, at least the first time, on not-so-excellent terms. Um, but I feel like we're past all that now, and it, I think fans would be really, really excited to see her back. So, mm-hmm. so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, whatever happens, I'm just happy that we're getting more Star Trek in that. Exactly. <laughs> um, we, we definitely have Discovery, and that is, um, that's a mixed bag for Trek fans, but that's okay. I mean, we keep talking yeah. about that. Um, There's been a lot of mixed bags, you know, yes. in the past, and so sometimes they're looked on more favorably 
in hindsight, mm-hmm. but you know, to each their own, like you said. Now, um, as we kind of transition to talk about um, a beloved um, installment in the Star Trek franchise, um, I'd, I'd kind of like to hear um, a little bit about your Trek origin story. Um, I've I've, okay. I've kind of talked about. I, I mean, I have talked about mine on this show before, so I'm not going to reiterate it. Um, but just real quickly, um, I was in college. Um, we're talking like 2005, six, seven. I'd come home, it'd be on Spike TV. I'd watch it. That's how I got through it, and started with Next Gen, and it introduced me to everything else. So that's basically the very short version of mine. Um, so. Um, if you don't if you don't mind just kind of giving us the rundown the the long and short of it of how you came to get involved with Star Trek and really enjoy it. Well, you know, I I was born in 83, so don't worry, I'm not going to start from when I was born. But <laughs> it gives you an idea of how old I was when the next generation came out. And the next generation was a big show. Um, everybody watched it. I always tell people it's kind of like I mean, not as popular, but it's kind of like Game of Thrones in that it was like the sci-fi show that like normal people were watching, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I think because it was a little more grounded, it was a little more serious. Like for instance, my mother watched it and I just cannot imagine her watching any other version of Star Trek, to be honest. She's just not her thing, but we watched it together okay. and we really enjoyed it. Um, but I wouldn't call myself a Trekkie at that point. I was just like your casual fan. And then um, I had a close friend, uh, her name is Kara. I've had her on my podcast a bunch of times and I've known her since I was like five, but she was really the big Trekkie and she was a super fan. Um, And I never really understood it at the time. Uh, She was really into the original series. That was her Star Trek. She just loved Captain Kirk specifically and she just loved everything about that show. And um, I think what happened was I was trying to relate to her you know we were so close that I was like well I'm gonna give this Star Trek thing like a bigger shot um, so that we can connect more and I wasn't really connecting with the original series so much but DS9 was airing around this time it was probably in the mid to later seasons um, so I didn't start watching it like as soon as it aired but you know maybe mid seasons um, and I fell in love with it. I That is my entry point. You know, Star Trek Deep Space Nine spoke to me in a way that the other shows didn't quite as much. And it wasn't the popular choice at the time. You know, people liked Voyager a lot more when that came out. And they came out kind of around the same time. Um, and, you know, I, I took some flack for it. <laughs> but that's my favorite Star Trek show and it continues to be and it, it might be my favorite show ever honestly interesting okay yeah so like you were saying Next Gen was a really big show uh, came out mm-hmm. in, in 87 and that was um, I, I kind of talked about it um, in the last episode where uh, the Next Gen was kind of also a response to meeting salary requirements for um uh, Voyage Home as well as Final Frontier, um, mm. so there was there was that. Um, but okay. um, you know, Next Gen goes off the air in '94, but Deep Space Nine right. had come on board or started started airing in 1993. So right. and yeah. and then we get Voyager, of course, in 1995. So 
you know, Deep Space Nine is kind of um, sandwiched between these two shows that have ships um, on them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so tell. Let's let's talk. Let's just talk Trek. Let's let's just have some fun. So sure. So you you really like Deep Space Nine? Tell what do you like about it so much? So you know, a lot of people say the whole concept of the show is to boldly go where no man has gone before. Right. And that's like a physical place, right? You know, physically go somewhere no one's gone before. And Deep Space Nine was really all about that internal where no one's gone before I felt like you know it was more examining relationships and it was more political um, and I liked that I think before I realized that I like that in you know in movies and watching more serious stuff I feel like you know as a really young person I, I realized that that I had a big interest in that and specifically the conflict between uh, the Bajorans and the Kardashians, or Kardashians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's impossible for me to say Kardashians now without saying Kardashians. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> not on purpose, not because I want to, but because of it's 2019. Um, but, you know, uh, the conflict between the Bajorans and Kardashians was a really interesting focal point of the show. And even with the changelings and everything else there was just a lot to examine there and i think one big thing that drew me to it was i like the fact that starfleet uh you know they're very practical and they believe in science and the bajorans do not um they 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 are practical people i think but they also are very spiritual people and that conflicts with i think a lot of what the federation you know believes and so how do you work together closely with someone who has a different belief system than you in a positive way and sort of navigate these you know rocky waters because the the cardassians are still around and it was just this big balancing act for you know i think it was nine seasons seven or nine seven it was somewhere seven Seven? okay seven um obviously it's been a while since i've watched it it's all good (laughs) uh but but yeah, so I just, I liked all that stuff. You know, it, it is a lot of conflict, but I thought it was interesting and it was compelling and mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it. So, um, like, like a good, a good many potentially, um, I tried watching Deep Space Nine when I was first coming into Trek myself and it just bored the living crap out of me. If I'm if I'm being honest, it, <laughs> you're not the first person to say that. So I understand. It was called Deep Sleep Night. Yes, a lot of people call yes. It. yes. Mar- Marina Sirtis um, <laughs> call, calls it that whenever she does a panel, calling it Deep Sleep <laughs> yeah. Deep Sleep Nine. Yeah, um, I get it. I get it. I could so I could not um, get into it when I was younger, um, and I remember about a year ago I was getting ready to um, to go off to Virginia for a week. And I'm like, man, like, I really feel like there's a hole in my Trekkie heart and I need to, like, there's just a gap in my knowledge. I really need to know what's going on, like with this deep, deep space nine show. And, um, so what do I do? I bust it out on Netflix and, um, I get through the first two and a half seasons, uh, that the first two and a half seasons were rough. Um, but I, I swear, like you get to the middle of season three and, Holy crap, man! It just takes off, and it's just phenomenal. And I, I probably binged like probably four or five episodes at a time as best I could. And um, D- 
Deep Space Nine is now my second favorite Star Trek. Um, so it has gone from my least favorite to my favorite to my second favorite. So um, I can really appreciate it. And I and like you're saying, there's the whole um, there's a piece in there of like how do we get along with people that have different beliefs than us or different mm-hmm. different opinions than us. I think that really resonates today, right? Yeah, and I think the whole show resonates more today than it did in the 90s. I think it was a little ahead of its time um, in terms of can we use sci-fi to talk about something really serious or to talk about something that's, I guess, more emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the writers that worked on DS9 also worked heavily on Battlestar Galactica, the you know the new the newer mm-hmm. one, and. By the time Battlestar came out, I think people were really ready to have some of those conversations in a show like that. Um, And I think the fact that as a society we're more ready to talk about some of that stuff is why now we look at DS9 maybe through a little bit of a different lens. Whereas back then it was like, they're not on a ship. Mm -hmm. There's not a villain of the week. What is this? Now we're going, oh, well, sci-fi can go to these places and it can be really compelling and interesting, you know? Absolutely. And, and one of the things that um, Gene Roddenberry, so if we, if we rewind and we go in the Wayback Machine, he did not want conflict. Um, he's like, this, oh, okay. this, this is a utopian type of society. Everyone gets along. They're happy uh, and they enjoy being around each other and blah, 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 all that stuff. So... For writers and the creative team, that's difficult. Like, how, you, you mean conflict is necessary for sure. for the story and advancing thoughts and ideas and continuity and things of that nature. And I can remember, um, you know, not only preparing for this show, but also for um, just like looking at Deep Space Nine in general. That was something that Michael Piller, Rick Berman, uh, the main showrunners for Trek in the 90s um, but they wanted to change I mean Gene Roddenberry had just recently died like not too many years prior so this was the first Star Trek without Gene Gene's finger being in it basically mm-hmm. yeah I mean it's uh, it's evident like you're saying you know it, it definitely veers away from some of what his vision was and I think that's always hard for older fans and hard for people that are you know in love with what he came up with and I am too to be honest after I really enjoyed the show I went back and watched you know the original series and I I like the next generation a lot too uh, still and I can comfortably say that I like it all Um, and I think it's why I'm more open to discovery now is just like you know what? It's really outside of the box, but let's see where this goes. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like maybe this isn't how I pictured it, but you know, DS9 wasn't how Gene Roddenberry pictured it, right? So, you know, is there a way to still have the soul of Star Trek in it, even if you deviate from some of the, I guess, his core values? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like DS9 was definitely a lean into conflict. Um, just as a show, <laughs> even even thinking about like the the shows um, with you know uh, Star Trek, Star Trek: The Next Generation, and now here we are, or and even sorry, um, Star Trek: The Animated Series um, back then. 
you know, we've we've seen what we should aspire to be in these shows uh, with yeah. with um, Kirk and in, in his Enterprise, with Picard and his Enterprise, and now here we are with with uh, Commander, later Captain Cisco, in his station, later his ship, the Defiant, and. You know, when we when I look at the show, when I think about the show, it's like, okay, these other shows have shown me what I I could aspire to be like. This show is showing me how I can still um, hold on to my values and still do difficult things. How I can still move through difficult times and still have values. Um, to a certain extent. And I'm probably not saying that as eloquently as I'd like to, but I'm hoping you're, you're picking up what I'm laying down. No, I, I, I really get that because the big difference with DS9 as a crew, too, from the other shows is they are not a close crew. Mm-hmm. Even like, I mean, you know, when you think about the relationship that Cisco has with debatably the data character being Odo, I mean, there's almost like zero, re- like, relationship there for a lot of the show they're at odds with each other and even his first you know his second in command Kira I mean there's like it's so much tension um and it takes such a long time for them to get to a place where they have a relationship and I feel like a lot of the characters on that show just have a different moral compass and it's like how do they all you know how do they all find uh common ground and how do they work together and it's it's complicated and it's tough and it's different and some of the characters on the show make big mistakes that they can't take back I mean some of the mistakes that they make I have trouble with I'm like Ugh, I don't like that you know there's a lot of challenging moments but I think you're right it's like about sort of a little bit more individualistic than some of the other Star Trek shows are it's it's sort of like how do you work in a group as an individual um and I guess that's what I liked about it. Maybe at the time when I first saw it, you know, maybe I was like a little bit more of that mindset. And so this show kind of just resonated with me more than than some of the other Star Treks did at the time. Um, like I said, now I like all of them and I love Gene Roddenberry's original vision. But I also just like this this idea of like, how do you stay true to yourself in, in, a, in a difficult situation? I can't remember the name of the episode, but um, it, it's it's towards the the latter half. It's um, it's when we're in the Dominion War, and mm-hmm. Cisco is having to operate more in shades of gray than he would probably care to. Um, yeah. And there's an episode, and you might know this better than me, Lisa. Um, it's where he's talking to the camera about a, a number of decisions that he's made that have. Um, kind of impacted his his own moral compass like he's lied he's stolen he's done certain things do you know which episode I'm talking about Re- relating to uh, working with uh, both Cardassians Dominion members uh, folks of that nature it's starting to ring a bell but if I'm honest I don't remember like the full dialogue of it but it sounds familiar for sure Okay, for those of you that are listening, if you know, please put the episode in a comment yeah. <laughs> on the Facebook group. As you probably know from even my show, I'll be like, I've watched this movie a hundred times and still like not remember one specific moment. Uh, but it definitely sounds true. And I, I remember like 
um, an episode where Worf makes like a bad decision to save. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, not Worf. Well, I think Worf did this too, but well, the, yeah. the worst one is Odo makes a decision that saves Kira and kills like a whole planet or something crazy. Um, that episode, I, ugh, I, I don't know. Like, I still to this day, I'm like, I'm not sure I can handle that. But in a way, I kind of like that they went there because it was really challenging that idea of like, how important is one person, and mm-hmm. you know. What is the right thing to do, and what would you do? And it was uncomfortable, <laughs> for yes. sure. And some of the characters make decisions like that, that you're like, decisions Kirk wouldn't make, you know? <laughs> right, and, and and I know we're jumping all over the timeline when it comes to this show, but like, even from the outset, like with the pilot episode of Deep Space Nine, I mean, freaking Cisco does not like Picard because of what, right. what happened back in, in TNG. Uh, best of both worlds part one and two like the result mm-hmm. of that like Picard was responsible for the death of his wife like the mother of his son yeah and like he understands that Luke that Lucutus was in a way a different person but it wasn't so it's kind of like I don't know that's an interesting thing to examine like when you know something's wrong or you know that that person's not guilty but because they did it like how would that character respond mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's really interesting compelling stuff but it's also like maybe something you don't want to think about so it's kind of like i can totally understand some fans being like i don't like this <laughs> you know so i kind of i see it both ways for sure i wish i could remember that episode you were talking about where cisco says all that um it's- i do feel like cisco goes from being a complete non-believer to like you know literally one of their prophets and believers by the you know of the Bajoran faith by the end and that's also a weird thing to sort of tackle in your mind too right yeah he's he's so staunchly against it and it's probably by about mid-series uh, maybe not even mid-series I mean There's an episode where there's, um, I don't want to call him a con artist, but there's a guy that's claiming to be the true emissary and wanting wanting, um, all Bajorans to go back to this quasi-caste system that they used to to be under like a century or, or two prior. And that was, I think that was the particular episode in which he was ready just to give it up and say, you know, screw this. I'm not going to be the emissary. I don't care what you guys believe. Um, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. And that whole episode was about him really wrestling with his dual, the, the duality of him being a Starfleet officer as well as being a religious leader. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, again, something I don't think would have been explored in any other Star Trek show and maybe, you know, never will again, mm-hmm. but it's this is why I'm okay with, like, different interpretations, because while that's maybe not consistent with all the other Star Trek shows, I think it's still interesting and fun to explore, so, yeah, I mean, Cisco's one of my favorite captains, but he's certainly, I mean, he's just so different, so complicated compared to all the other ones, so, yeah. I'm actually trying to find the episode right now. Um, okay, awesome. As I'm as I'm scanning through my Netflix app to try and find it. And no, I'm not getting paid to mention it. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like for me when I watched all of it so long ago. I've I've gone back and watched some some of the seasons, but it's like they all start to sort of blend together for me because of how long ago it was, and you know I didn't necessarily. I think I started around when three or se- season three or four came out, mm-hmm. and at the time when I started it, you couldn't just go okay, I'm going to watch ep- season one through now. So I've seen a lot of it kind of out of order just whenever it sure. was aired. <laughs> if you can go, you know, take your brain back to that time um, before we were able to do this, and a lot of it wasn't even on VHS. So it's kind of like hard for me to remember some of the specific episodes. <laughs> well, I'm not I'm not finding it right now, and I'm not going to... Oh, no worries. I'm not going to... You'll think about it tonight at, like, 3 a.m. I will. Don't worry. I will. Just like... <laughs> so, full disclosure, whenever I was on your show, um, the one thing I, m- I remember wanting to talk about that I didn't talk about was, like, the fact that I loved the uniforms in First Contact. That was my, my episode. I was oh, talking yeah. First Contact. I didn't bring it up, and I, I'm like, dang it, we already recorded. Uh, <laughs> it happens. A lot. <laughs> um, so, Deep Space Nine... Um, Whenever I think of it, because um, we got we got to think about when this this show came out. We're talking um, early ish, almost mid nineties, uh, up mm-hmm. until uh, what was it like nineteen ninety nine, I believe, when it went off the air. Yeah, yeah, um, ninety nine or ninety eight. Yeah. So I mean, around that time, there was a lot of uh, conflict type of stuff. Like we were right around that Desert Storm area, like a lot of Gulf War type of stuff going on. We had conflict. We still had conflict um, in other parts of the Middle East, um, things like that. And um, just my own interpretation and thinking of it, 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 it's I think it's I think Deep Space Nine can do a really good job of talking about the Israeli-Palestinian type conflict, um, especially when we think about like Bajorans and Cardassians, just as that kind of character. That's one way of looking at it. It's not the only way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think, but I think that I wonder how I would feel making those comparisons now. Because I think at the time when I saw it, I don't think I was aware of that. But, you know, portraying either side as like a scaly species that's evil, I'm not crazy about. <laughs> so it's kind of like, I, I feel a little divided on that. But certainly uh, they were touching on, on some of that. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe Battlestar did a little bit of a maybe more sensitive and better job of, of talking about conflict like that, but also being careful to mention that, you know, in any war, there's two sides and right. uh, there's a bent, right, of how, who we consider the good and the bad. And um, there's an episode, I think, you know, I thought at the time when this Battlestar episode came out, I was like, whoa, I can't believe they went there where they were sort of examining like the other side of what even a suicide bomber might feel. Mm -hmm. I feel like even saying that out loud will put me on a list, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Like it's complicated. Um, I'm not sure DS9 was as sensitive to that as it could have been, but it was also the Mm -hmm. (laughs) nineties. So it's kind of like as a society, as Americans, I don't think we were able to view it that way. Um, But at least it was starting a conversation at least it was talking about it and at least uh in later seasons they did explore the Cardassians side as well um so I kind of 
I agree with you that that is definitely the case. I'm just careful about how I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be like, yeah, this, you know, race of people is the, the bad guys. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, well, I mean, even, I, even it, 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 oh, go ahead. I, I, I can, I can certainly he, hear what you're saying. Um, hundred percent. Um, I'm wondering like for anyone that did watch Star Trek either over there if they thought that if one side thought the other was um, the Cardassians in in that if they you know and because I feel like in America we might you know what I mean so I'm like hmm but then at the same time I do think it's uh, it was cool that they explored like what does after a conflict really look like you know what? What would that look like? And what are what is an outside party allowed to comment on? And what side are they allowed to be on? Mm-hmm. I think that stuff is really cool, and I liked I liked that about it. One thing that um, I think we kind of um, maybe neglected to to mention um, about this show that kind of makes it um, compelling in terms of of the storyline um, within Trek is where this is taking place so yeah (laughs) so and that's that's okay i mean we've we've kind of run the gamut in terms of of talking about various aspects of deep space nine it's a brilliant show um i i love it you love it a lot of people love it um for those of you that are just getting into trek um or might have tried giving deep space nine a try um the thing that's cool about this show is it's it's taking place um, near the only known uh, stable wormhole. Um, mm-hmm. And this wormhole goes from the Alpha Quadrant to the Gamma Quadrant, which is essentially on the other side of the galaxy. So um, do you want to speak speak a little bit more about, about that and maybe um, some of the key points that that oh, particular sure. wormhole kind of serves in this show? Yeah, so I guess this is where we go to the where no man has gone before part of Star Trek. There is the wormhole, and it does go to the Gamma Quadrant, which nobody had been to before this. Um, And it makes Deep Space Nine, a station that is a Cardassian station, now occupied primarily by Bajorans, or, you know, they're at the sort of end of their conflict, and people are deciding who gets to stay and who leaves. And right. the Federation has stepped in because the Federation has an interest in securing, um, you know, the station because they will have access to the Gamma Quadrant. And that is a top commodity because it's unchartered territory and everybody's fighting for it. So that becomes a really interesting part of the show uh, because, yeah, they're, they're, they're analyzing, like, what's right and what's wrong about who gets to stay here and... Um, you know, it forces these parties to come together and have to work together so that they can have access to this to this uh, gamma quadrant. And it's also a hub uh, of a lot of activity that Starfleet may not normally engage in. So your pirates and other stuff. Right. Um, so there's just a lot. It becomes like a hotbed. Um, and yeah, it's I guess like a port city almost, you know. It is. <laughs> like it yeah. is. Yeah, and um, what was it when when Star Trek was being originally pitched to studios and production companies in general? Um, Gene Roddenberry was kind of pitching it as um, wagon train to the stars. 
So um, yeah, I could see that. And and that's that was kind of the general idea that he was trying to convey is like, look, this is this kind of westerny kind of thing. Um, and now, when when um, Deep Space Nine was more or less being described, it was being described more or less as the rifleman. So uh, you have the sheriff Cisco um, mm-hmm. and and his motley crew where the trouble is now coming to them and they have to defend it there in in their town basically rather than going out into the frontier and whatever happens happens you know now they have to take care of it at home that was right. that was them kind of flipping the script with it absolutely because you your expectation would be that they would go to the gamma quadrant all the time and they don't mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's it's really more uh Grounded and things come to them, like you said. And and part of part of that was, um, again, Rick Berman, who was running Star Trek in the eighties and nineties, was like, okay, we got a ship that's going all over the galaxy, um, you know, going where no man has gone before, and and then shortly thereafter, we have another ship that's doing the same dang thing, but they're stuck in the Delta Quadrant. So we have two ships that are flying all over the galaxy doing God knows what. Um, We don't need another show with a ship zipping around. Now, That's true. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way. The fact that they're all on, on, uh, they're all being shown at the same time Mm -hmm. really divides audiences. (laughs) Right, yeah, because you had that. You had had Next Gen that was ending. I mean, this this show was premiering, um, gosh... What was it like? The end of uh, Next Gen's either season six or beginning of their last season, season seven, mm-hmm. and then you get into the tail end of uh, Deep Space Nine's um, second season because season one and season two were both filming in 1993. Um, season one had a very abbreviated season, and they just went right back into production. Um, wow. 1995 rolls around. We got we have Voyager. So mm-hmm. it, it was right around season, what was that, three, end of season three, that uh, we get Cisco who um, gets promoted and he gets a ship um, because they were trying to kind of, um, kind of put more life into the show uh, because yeah. audiences were so used to zipping around in a spaceship. Sure. Yeah, they kind of created the situation but then had to kind of try to strategize how they would get out of it because it's like like you said that's a really good point i've never thought about but it's like they can't have three shows that are essentially the same show and at least voyager like you said they're stuck in the delta quadrant um and that makes it different from the next generation but what do you do with ds9 to make that different um this is really the only choice and yeah later they brought on Worf. Uh, to try to get people to be like, look, Worf's here, so <laughs> you like him, you know, in the same way Voyager struggled too. You know, they were like, this chick is hot, you know. <laughs> Thankfully, they fleshed out Seven of Nine more than that later, but at first it was kind of obvious. Right. And then, like, having wrestlers on the show, like, you like this wrestler, don't you? You right. know, they really struggled with, like, how to maintain their audience and keep them interested. You got to wonder if how different these shows would have been had there been more time in between these shows and the next generation, like maybe that's what caused them to be what they were, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think um, uh, you, you just mentioned um, the Voyager episode. Um, I think it was called Sukanse or something like that. I'm probably butchering it. But that was the episode where The Rock is basically play, yep. playing himself. Dwayne Johnson <laughs> is on an episode yeah. of, of Star Trek Voyager. So for any of you Rock fans, check it out. It's like season five or six of Voyager that he's on there. Yeah, and he was not the star he is today. I mean, he was really, truly just a wrestler, I think, at that time. That was it. Yeah, that was in his yeah. the heyday of him being, um, you know, just the Rock. That was it. Yeah. When that episode, I remember seeing the commercial because at the time, I was such a stubborn DS9 fan, I didn't watch Voyager. Mm-hmm. And so I remember just being like, oh, now they're putting a wrestler on there. Gosh, like I was <laughs> like, I was like, oh, that's so that's oh, that's so mainstream, <laughs> you know, and now it's like, it's just funny that I would have ever thought that. But I was a teenager. OK, like <laughs> it was difficult. We'll, we'll, allow um, it. we'll allow it. How about that? Thank you. Thank you. Forgive me. <laughs> Well, but yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Like, <laughs> I had not thought of that at all, but so true. So I would be remiss to not talk about this. This was um, this was actually talked about in one of the chats that you and I are part of um, quite a while back when I was kind of dreaming up this podcast uh, about something to talk about. And someone mentioned a particular actor and character, um, uh-huh. Aaron Eisenberg. Uh, oh yeah. So uh, rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's no longer with us. Um, I never had the opportunity to meet him. Um, I was really kicking myself uh, recently. Like just finished. Like I just finished watching Deep Space Nine um, early 2019. Um, loved it, and um, I think it was gosh, like maybe around August that the Deep Space Nine documentary came out, uh, What We Left yeah. Behind. Have you seen that? I have not seen that still. Can you believe that? What a fake fan. <laughs> I have not seen it How yet. dare you? I need, I'm taking I your know. Star Trek card. I'm taking it. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I haven't. <laughs> I want to so bad. I wanted to see it in theaters, but at the time I just could not, and I still haven't seen it. Man, I should just... Give myself a belated birthday present and just get it. Can you do? Are you still able to buy it? I know to, they did like Am- a Kickstarter, to, right? Go to Amazon, get it. That's where I got. Okay, mine. I will do it. Okay, okay. I mean, if not, just come over to the house and we'll eat pizza and watch watch the documentary together. It's it's nice. It's okay. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a beautiful documentary, and in I'm not spoiling anything by saying this, but in in the documentary, the Iris Stephen Bear. Um, one of the geniuses behind Deep Space Nine. Um, you would know him if you saw him with like a blue goatee, basically. That's Ira. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So in there, he, he assembles the writers, a, a lot of the writers from Deep Space Nine, to come up with a concept for what they would have done, like either then or now, with a season eight of Deep Space oh, Nine. Okay. And, um, they they do a storyline with Cisco, and I'm not going to spoil anything about like what happens to Cisco in season seven. Um, and we've already spoiled enough. I'm going to leave that one alone. Um, <laughs> but they do some stuff with Nog um, and um, a lot of other fun characters. So uh, it's it's a beautiful documentary. And there's a there's a part, and I, I remember seeing it highlighted on various social media outlets uh, when. 
when Aaron um, had passed away, recently passed away, where he, he was getting very emotional about the character Nog and what Nog and the experience meant to him. Have you, are you familiar with what I might be talking about or? I did not read that interview or I haven't watched that clip, but I always really liked Nog a lot. I had a big affinity for the Ferengi because they evolved so much on that show. I mean, I think they were introduced in Next Generation. Um, And then in DS9, you know, we get to know Quark Mm -hmm. and just freaking love him. Um, Armin Sherman did so much with that character. I I love how he portrayed him, but Mm -hmm. his brother Rom and then Nog, I, I really liked them because Rom was sort of a more innocent, you know, dolty brother. And because yes. he was more innocent, I guess, he was more open-minded about maybe challenging some of their rules of acquisition. And then Nog just comes out of left field and joins Starfleet. You know, I I liked that a lot. And his yes. friendship with uh, the captain's son, Jake, uh, yes. is just really awesome. And also... You know, I, I remember at the time when I liked the show going up and looking up everybody and, you know, Nog was significantly older than the character he's playing just because he was small and he, honestly, he just looked really young. Like, he would be on other shows, too, where he's playing, like, a teenager and he was much older. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I always liked what he did with that character. And, I mean, I imagine anyone that plays a character for, you know, seven seasons and they go from being, like, literally just a really fringe side character to you know in Starfleet Academy like that's pretty cool not a lot of characters have that growth and it just really speaks to what the writers you know how the writers can take all these different characters and just give them actual meaningful story arcs you know you you talk about him being small Um, he Aaron was born in 1969 he died in 2019. Yeah. He was 50 years old when he passed away. And yet he was supposed to be portraying this I don't know, 12, 13-year-old and you got to if you do <laughs> yeah. if, if you do the math, the guy was 25, 24, 25 yeah. playing this character. That's crazy. Yeah, and I mean, like, you would think it's just the makeup, right? You would think, well, he's small and the makeup. But if you actually, like, look him up as IMDb, um, I remember one time I saw him in another show, and I cannot remember the name of it, but it starred... There were three brothers that were really popular in the 90s. I cannot even remember their names. The Lawrence brothers? Yes. He was on an episode of their show where they, like, run a... I feel like they run like a garage or brotherly something like love. That. I love yes. that show. Okay. Yes. He was on an episode as like a friend of one of theirs. And I had never, I don't think at this point I knew what Nog looked like, but Aaron Eisenberg came out and was talking and I was looking at him and I was just like, I freaking know who this person is. And I had to like, look it up and then I'm like, Oh, okay. So he like even looked really young too, like out of the makeup. Because he's yeah. supposed to be like a contemporary to these kids, and he was clearly much older. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, uh, in the interview um, that they released, I mean, it's on it's on the documentary as well. Um, he talked um, so, he spoke so authentically about um, what he left behind and 
uh, he he's like I don't I didn't leave anything behind I mean that character was me and I was just so um, I was that character and that character was me Wow! and that character um, helped me as as a man to grow to believe and to do all these things and it was it was such a beautiful thing um, to hear and you 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 see the tears welling up in his eyes and just how grateful he was to be part of the Star Trek franchise that's incredible I really gosh I mean again like it's shocking that I haven't seen this like if you knew me at the height of my Star Trek I'm just gonna call it mania like I used to like collect all the magazines that came out like there was a D Space Nine magazine I collected that yeah. had all these trading cards I had the card game I mean I was nuts over it but so it's upsetting that I haven't seen this documentary yet but um, wow that's that's really nice to hear because I remember I was at a, a, a I think the 50th anniversary here in uh, Dallas uh, mm-hmm. celebration put on a con and you know you talked earlier about Marina Sirtis and she said the biggest difference between Next Gen and all the other casts is that their cast their chemistry and their love for each other was like authentic in that they were in each other's weddings you know they were yes. truly a family and she was like honestly can't say that about every other you know show mm-hmm. um, which is really not a dig because when you think about it it's like being at a workplace like not everybody gets along necessarily right but um because of that i've always kind of thought about that like you know that is kind of sad like i i wish that the actors the cast from ds9 had that same chemistry but it sounds like you know in, in, in a lot of ways they still did have this deep connection with their characters and uh and i'm glad that in retrospect and and, and for aaron eisenberg just the entire time apparently had such a positive experience with it so that that kind of warms my heart that's good yeah and and seriously though like if if you haven't seen it like i'm not just talking about you like for for listeners that that haven't seen it this is (laughs) i was gonna say chase back off no i'm kidding this is this is sincerely (laughs) worth worth you picking up and watching even if you haven't seen deep space nine um it's it's a wonderful documentary um just to just to, to experience um, um, and maybe that would be your entry point into Star Trek if it's not the actual show itself um, like I've, I, I love watching documentaries I love you know seeing the stuff that's behind the scenes that might have gone on that contributed to the creation of stuff the the genesis of stuff um, this is just a, an absolutely wonderful documentary that I cannot rec- recommend enough um, you can get it pretty sure in blu-ray it doesn't i don't think you can get a digital copy um but mm, okay but um it's it's just like a blu-ray case um that you can find um on amazon or wherever you might pick something up like that now um as, as we as we start to wind down um some of our conversation with deep space nine um do you have um like a favorite uh, character um, and or character moment from Deep Space Nine that you'd like people to know about or to maybe experience for themselves? Uh, well, I absolutely have a favorite character, and he's my favorite character, I think, 
in Star Trek, just in general, and that's Chief of Security Odo. He's my okay. absolute favorite. Um, I don't know. I just, I really liked his character because he did his job, but he operated sort of in the shades of gray. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've always been drawn to those sort of loner, darker characters that are outsiders. Um, I mean, hello, I'm like this obsessed Batman fan, so <laughs> there's that. And I feel like I've just always had this obsession with like crime and like a detective and like, so I, I loved Odo because he was different. He was, I think he was like the Spock, the data that I related to the most. You know, there's always like this outsider character on Star Trek. Um, that becomes sort of a fan favorite. And I would say <laughs> Odo's maybe less of a fan favorite. And some of that is because he lacks something that a lot of those other characters have. And that's the, the honestly just the genius factor. He wasn't really a genius. <laughs> right. And maybe that's why I related to him more. Because I'm like, I think, you know, mentally not he's not so much higher than me. Like, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he wasn't... He he wasn't a computer and he wasn't a Vulcan, you know. Right, absolutely. He was just he was just on the outside. And I think it gave him a unique perspective when it came to making decisions. Um but I also just really liked his character and maybe I also just liked the fact that he was, you know, a changeling and I thought the 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 concept of him not knowing his origins and you know, that's why he doesn't look like a human. Mm-hmm. Because he can't quite mimic uh, a human's face because he hasn't had the practice to. Mm-hmm. And then also just Rene Aubergenois is just wonderful. Like, he's just such a good actor. Um, I just He's so funny and so great. And I've met him a couple of times um, okay. at conventions. And I don't know. I just he's, he's my favorite character. I can't think of, like, a specific favorite moment. Um, you know, I like when you learn about his life in the lab and uh, when he meets his maker, so to speak. I have mixed feelings on the Dominion and all that and how that wrapped up is probably like the saddest part of the show for me. Mm, but yeah. I also like that he had to like go to his little bucket because it's so weird and frankly kind of gross when he has to like <laughs> go to that bucket every day. It's kind of ugh. And, but I liked it. It was like he had this weird, embarrassing thing he had to do every day. I don't know. It's it's a weird character. I'm not going to defend it, but I'm just going to say that he was my favorite. <laughs> well, you know, when you talk about the bucket thing, I think one of the... Um, I, I don't know if it's my favorite character moment for him, but um, speaking of, like, just the bucket and, like, that weird thing that he has to do, um, there's <laughs> there's a, 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 an episode where um, uh, Majel Barrett... Uh, is is yes. is playing Loaxana Troy again, um, and she's on the show. Um, and there's a part where they're kind of stuck together, like, they're like locked in a room or something, and he has to transform, otherwise, bad stuff's gonna happen. And she like her makeup is like, you know, fading away, and she's looking all haggard and everything, which is completely contrary to how she tries to present herself. Uh, and she's like, you know, it's it's okay. You can just hang out here in, like, the fold of my dress or, or whatever it was that they had at the time. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'd love... I don't know why I like that particular moment so much, but that's just one of those, like, character growth moments of Odo that I can I really appreciate and have respect for that character. 
Yeah, it, it was huge for him. So yeah, he, you know, he had to return to a liquid state. So he's a liquid. He's not solid. And so anytime he's in a solid state, it's like a muscle that he's flexing almost. He has to hold it. And there comes a point where if he doesn't do this regeneration process, he'll literally like die. So he's so ashamed of the fact that he's so different that he can't bring himself to do that in front of anyone. Um, he's extremely private about it. And that's because there's nobody in the galaxy that he knows of that shares this, you know, process. So it's it's isolating to him. And so, um, yeah, uh, Luxana Troy, you know, she's a character that when I was younger, I, I, I don't think I understood. I was like, oh, so annoying. Mm-hmm. She's like the annoying mom character. <laughs> I don't like her. She's acting like she's so hot, but she's older. You know, I was like really judgmental and ugly probably everything that she's making fun of and railing against is what I you know was thinking because I was a young kid but you know in retrospect it's like she had this like confidence that you know even Diana didn't have and it was hard for people to understand and she was like this larger than life personality that everyone when she fills a room with her personality whether you like that or not (laughs) and she's very sensual and you know she's all these things anything that's the opposite of what Odo is. And so when they get trapped in this elevator together, it's just such a hilarious episode. And then that moment is like, you're seeing Luxana for who she is, because yes, she's loud and she's competent, but she's human, you know? And so like, um, and she's raw and she's authentic. And I think that's something because she's wearing all that makeup and she's so gaudy and loud. It's like, you think that means she's not real. Mm-hmm. You're making like an assumption about her based on how she presents herself. But underneath all that, you know, she's just vulnerable. Absolutely. And so like, I think, you know, that's a great moment because they both are and they both see each other and they experience each other in a way that everyone else doesn't because they're trapped in that elevator. And I would even say like, probably if I go back and watch that episode now, I would have an even greater appreciation for it. But hundred percent you're absolutely right that's such a great character moment for Odo for sure absolutely now I think for me my my favorite character from Deep Space Nine uh, besides Cisco because I think that's low-hanging fruit for a lot of people um, so besides him I'm gonna go with Jadzia I really like Jadzia Dax uh, for some reason um, yes, she's attractive. Let's just put that away for a second. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's obvious. Yeah, <laughs> but but at the same time, like I just I, I really like her character. I like her interactions. I like how um, smart, intelligent, and strong she is um, as a character. Um, I like her development, and I really like the chemistry that she has uh, with Worf um, towards uh, the middle to end. Of that of, of Deep Space Nine's run, um, mm-hmm. and I, I hated how things ended for her. Um, I wish they would have ended yeah. differently. Um, but in general, I really I really liked her character. And um, in the early season, she was really the reason that I kept watching. That really she was the hook for me huh. to to That's keep going. Um, and then it, it just grew beyond just Jadzia. I mean, it was the rest of the cast. I mean, I really liked the development of um, O'Brien, you know, from just being a recurring cast member or yeah. um, on Next Gen to becoming a full-fledged main character on Deep Space Nine. That was cool. Um, but apart from that, um, 
favorite episodes. I have maybe two. I actually have more than two, but okay. but two that kind of stick out the most to me, and probably for a lot of folks. So, you know, you can smack me if you need to. Just tell me to shut up. <laughs> um, it's only a paper moon, and far beyond the stars. So um, let's see. I don't feel like I know them all by just their titles. So it's only a paper moon. Is that the one with Tony Bennett? So it's only a paper moon is the one where um, stuff happens to Nog, and he is basically um, hiding in the in the hollow suite from life. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Vic Fontaine. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's see. I'm gonna pull it up on Wikipedia just so. And then I had a feeling that's the one you were talking about. And then far- and not Tony Bennett. What's that guy's name? Vic Vic that's Fontaine. Singer. Vic Fontaine. Okay, okay, yeah. And then Far Beyond the Stars is the one where all the characters basically portray themselves as 1950s um, citizens and sci-fi writers, and it talks about uh, racism, sexism, and a bunch of other things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really like that one, too. Um, Man, yeah... You know, for some reason, anytime they were, like, in a different... Oh, oh, and by the way, Vic Fontaine that was portrayed by James Darren. I have that CD <laughs> that he put out. Oh, my gosh. Like he, yeah. Like, I don't know where the heck it is, but I had a CD of, of his stuff. It, it's probably why I like Frank Sinatra so much, which is such a weird thing to say. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I really, really like that episode. And, and he came back for the finale, I believe, too. I think he was on the show a few times mm-hmm. um, and always enjoyed when they had him on there. Um, and then the other one was called what? Far Beyond the, the Stars. Beyond, far Beyond the Stars. Okay, that one was awesome. That was the one where Cisco um, can't decide what's real and what's not, right? Yes. Because he can't decide if he's the writer or not. Okay. Um, man, those are good ones. Um, again, I'm like horrible at titles, but the one where they all play baseball, I really liked. Take Me Out to the <laughs> Hollow Suite. Yeah, where they're all the... I think they're called the Niners. Yes. Um, I really, really like that one. I know that's silly, but I, I really like that one. And then the one where... Uh, there's a mirror episode. No, no, not a mirror episode. It's any time that they show, like, for instance, Odo and Kira before the conflict ended, I like those episodes. Um, oh, like flashback type episodes yeah okay where he's like in that gray turtleneck and mm-hmm. um yeah yeah i like those oh i feel put on the spot i should have it's looked okay. at all the episode it's lists um <laughs> i'm thinking of one oh the one trials and tribulations oh they did a brilliant job of that cut um yeah for anyone that might be wondering what the heck i'm talking about they took <laughs> an original series episode that was very popular from the 1960s and they were able to merge uh, scenes from that and actors like from Deep Space Nine interacting with like William Shatner and company as if it were actually happening in the 1960s. It was it was brilliantly shot and done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and it's like kind of like you're saying, I'm, I'm picking the the mainly the episodes where it's sort of not what the show's about but i don't know those are just my favorites nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with geeking out and loving something it's it's totally cool yeah. um 
But hey, I want to thank you for your time today um, in talking Trek and talking Deep Space Nine. Um, any any parting words, any closing thoughts to encourage people to check out Deep Space Nine um, if they've either never seen it or kind of, you know, ignored it? Um, I would say that the experience you had going back and really falling in love with it, I've heard a lot. Uh, now that it's on Netflix, I feel like a lot of people are discovering it. And I think we touched on earlier that it speaks better to our sensibilities now mm -hmm. um, in terms of what we expect out of a sci-fi show. Um, and the fact that it's all together now, you know, there's seven seasons you can watch straight through. It, it was different from other Treks in that it was more, you know, episodic. It was more like a straight storyline. Whereas, like, TNG was more like character of the week. And now that people love binging so much, yeah. it's like the perfect time to watch something like this. So, yeah, I don't know. I would say stick with it. It was an incredibly diverse and interesting um, and nuanced show. And, you know, anytime new, new people find it and love it, I'm like, yay, welcome to the club. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> like, I just... I just can't recommend it enough. So, like I said, probably my favorite show ever, even if I can't remember all the episode names. That's <laughs> okay. That's okay. I'm just, I'm just, I'm here, and I remember things in weird ways, and it's, it's totally fine. No, my, so like my husband, he can remember, like everything, like, and he had to. I'm just not as big of a details person as he is, and like sometimes we'll watch something like Star Trek, and he'll, you know, he'll point out all the different ships and like he'll explain to me how they're all different and I'm like you just started watching Star Trek how do you know that? he's like I pay attention I'm like okay well <laughs> I clearly don't so <laughs> yeah and I, I feel like that's probably another reason why I like the show so much was that it is sort of it does sort of speak to someone that's not as I mean I still think it's hard sci-fi but it's definitely different than the other shows for sure well, Lisa, again, thank you so much for coming on. Um, love to have you back to talk more Trek, uh, whether it's Deep Space Nine or something random like a phaser. I, you're, <laughs> you're, you're just so easy to, to have a conversation with. And um, Oh, I appreciate that. I'd love to come back. It'd be fun. I mean, you, you it's like uh, you, ha you, you can't even imagine how that sounds to me, like saying, Lisa, are you, do you want to talk about Star Trek? There was a time uh, growing up when me and my best friend would talk about Star Trek like all the time. And her mom would come in the room and just go, can you guys please, please talk about something else for like five <laughs> minutes. So, so yeah, you don't have to twist my arm. All right. <laughs> That's good to know. No Jedi mind tricks, no twisting of arms. We're good. Yeah, no Vo Vulcan mind meld, there. even though that's yeah. not a thing. But <laughs> Well, that, that either, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, well, um, again, thank you. Um, we're so happy to have you here at Lone Star Station. Um, and uh, may you, may you um, always boldly go and make it so uh, wherever you go. Uh, so with that, thank you, and um, you take care. You too. As we wrap up today, uh, I want to thank Lisa again uh, for for going with us on this journey as we as we talk about Deep Space Nine and a whole slew of other things, Star Trek. Now remember uh, that there are multiple ways in which you can 
connect with us. And those ways, um, like we said at the top of the show, uh, are on social media. You can connect with us uh, with, uh, with Facebook, with Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, TRTVPod is our handle on Instagram and Twitter, uh, as well as These Are The Voyages uh, page and These Are The Voyages group on Facebook. Uh, conversation uh, continues there. Uh, again, like I said before, uh, currently talking about, or not really talking about, but thinking about putting together a Discord for future, uh, you know, um, types of communication and, and listening to the recording live whenever we get to that point. Um, but also just another opportunity for you guys to be able to connect with each other. Now, uh, if th- there are other ways that you can um, connect and also also support. Um, if you if you have some folks um, that that really enjoy Star Trek, um, or maybe maybe you're new new to the fandom and you want someone to go with you um, as we talk about these things and enjoy these things, or you just want them to have fun, you know, have a, a group of supportive people. Um, invite them. Invite them to listen. Invite them to join our group. Um, the group is is yours. This podcast is yours. Um, I want us to all have some fun together. Like I keep saying, and I know you guys might get sick of me saying that, uh, but I really do want you guys to have some fun and, and enjoy each other's company. So um, with that, um, remember that you can also support the show on Patreon. Uh, there's different tiers, uh, and there will there's starting to be some some polls, and um, there's going to be, um, by the time you hear this, there will have been some um, early access to um, a clip from the show, um, and that'll start happening more. Um, and I am so excited. I, I'm, I'm very excited about my friend that's going to be on this podcast uh, for our next episode uh, as we talk Trek, and um, you'll hear more about um, Eric um, in this next episode. So I'm looking forward to having my friend Eric uh, join me next time. Now, if you want to get in touch with uh, with me, or if you have a question, um, or just anything in general, uh, make sure you open Hailing Frequencies. Um, happy to answer or or respond to any of your questions, your comments, any kind of interactions that you have. Um, remember, you can um, use the subspace channels of trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also uh, do a voice-only communication by dialing 817-752-4757. That's 817-752-4757. There's a three-minute limit on that, so please keep that in mind. Um, and um, just bear in mind that we might use your comments and your questions on a future episode of These Are the Voyages. Now, for any special uh, long-range communications, um, any um, uh, pods or or anything that you want to send our way, uh, whatever it might be, um, any beacons that you want to leave for us, uh, make sure you enter in coordinates P.O. Box 2455 Azel, Texas. That's A-Z-L-E, Texas, T-X, 76098. That's P.O. Box 2455 Azel, Texas, 76098. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of These Are the Voyages. There are many more voyages that we have ahead of us, and we're working our way um, more or less through the TV series um, as we talk about them and work through them. Um, I hope that as you go about the rest of your 
your day, your week, whatever it might be at the time of this listening, that you'll boldly go and make it so. 